Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And Christ is born. Glorify Him. No, indeed, He is risen. That's good. We didn't hear that. Sometimes please <laughs> on the greetings. Christ is born. Glorify Him. We celebrate today on this feast of the Nativity of our Lord in the flesh, what we normally call Christmas. We celebrate today the birth of the one we call and proclaim the King of Peace. His birth was announced, we heard it yesterday at the reading from the third hour of the Royal Hours, the Gospel of Luke this evening, and Matins and here at Liturgy we heard from Matthew's Gospel, but yesterday we heard from Luke's Gospel that his birth was proclaimed by the angels, with them shouting glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, Good morning, We've heard references this evening and throughout this season of the Advent fast, references to Melchizedek from the Old Testament, the book of Genesis. We read about him and his story, a very short story about him in the book of Genesis last week at Great Vestas from the Old Testament readings. Melchizedek was the king of Salem. Salem means peace. Those who are familiar with Arabic will see that connection with the Hebrew as well. Salem being peace, the king of peace, seen as a figure of Christ. We begin our service in the divine liturgy, saying what the angels said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill among men. And the deacon comes out and he says again and again, In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Peace be unto all. You'll hear it multiple times in the divine liturgy. Peace, true peace, is what this king, who humbled himself to be born in a manger of beasts, which was food for beasts, where the food for the beasts, the animals was kept, he humbled himself to be born for our salvation. He was born to teach us how we as human beings ought to live. In peace, in peace. Yet we heard already this evening in this reading from St. Matthew's Gospel that his birth didn't necessarily result in everyone having peace because ultimately peace is a choice that we make. It's a choice that we can make whether to be at peace or whether to be at war, to be at peace or to be at conflict with others. And Herod, in his jealousy, hearing about this king who was born, this king of peace, became enraged. And we'll hear later about how he slaughtered the innocents, everyone under two years old and under, to try to make sure that he killed this king of peace. In a few months, we will begin our journey to Great Lent and go through Holy Week, and we'll see that the Romans, who were threatened by Jesus, his fellow Jews, the most pious among the Jews, threatened by Jesus, did not choose peace. They chose a different path. And we, brothers and sisters, even down to our own day, some 2,000 plus years later, have the choice to make of whether we choose peace or whether we choose conflict and whether we choose war. And we are surrounded by a society brothers and sisters, who teaches us to normalize war, to normalize violence, to normalize conflict. 
and it rubs off on some of us. And so we must be on our guard to make sure that we follow this King of Peace. I want to share with you this evening a quote from someone, and I'm not going to quote a saint about peace. I could quote dozens and dozens of saints speaking about peace, and about inner peace, peace throughout the world, but I want to quote someone else because I think it's extremely poignant for us as Americans, and even more for us as Kansans, but more generally, for us as Americans. And it comes not from a saint or a priest who some of you might say, well, yeah, that's his job, you know, I mean, that's fine, he can go run off to the monastery, or he can go run off to the church and not have to deal with the world. No. This comes from someone with a high reputation as a five-star general former president of the United States and fellow Kansan, Dwight B. Eisenhower. In his speech, The Chance for Peace, on April 16th of 1953, some 70 years ago nearly, Ike, as he's often referred to, says, every gun that is made, every warship launch, every rocket fired, signifies in the final sense a theft from those who hunger and are not fed, those who are cold and are not clothed. This world in arms is not spending money alone, it is spending the sweat of its laborers, the genius of its scientists, the hopes of its children. This was at his time that he's saying this, it's probably worse now. The cost of one modern heavy bomber is this. A modern brick school in more than 30 cities. It is two electric power plants, each serving a town of 60,000 population. It is two fine, fully equipped hospitals. It is some 50 miles of concrete highway. We pay for a single fighter plane with half a million bushels of wheat. We paid for a single destroyer with new homes that could have housed more than 8,000 people. This, I repeat, I've said, is the best way of life to be found on the road that the world has been taking, the road of war. But he says this is not a way of life at all, in any true sense. And it is certainly not a way of life that Christ has called us as Christians, as followers of Him, who is named the King of Peace, to uphold. We might say, Father, what can I do about it? I can't help that the government continues to set records on defense spending. I can't help that the government sends money overseas to other governments for the cause of war and violence. What can I do? Well, I'm glad you asked. <coughs> because there is something that you can do. Besides petition the government, I'm not here for that. That's not my role. But wars don't begin, brothers and sisters, because of nations fighting. Wars begin because you and I fight with one another and can't get along with each other. Wars are an extension of the fact that you and I struggle with our enemies 
and we seek the upper hand, and instead of seeking peace, we seek dominance, even <coughs> violence, even wishing ill upon others. That's not the way of peace. That's not the king of peace. That's not the way Jesus taught us. If we're going to get along with other nations and other people, shouldn't we first get along with our neighbor? Can't we settle disputes with them? Man to man, woman to woman, human to human, Christian to Christian. If we're going to live at peace, don't we first have to live at peace in our household with our wives, our husbands, our children, at work with our co-workers, at school with our classmates? Yes, indeed, this is what we can do if we wish to bring peace on this earth. That famous Christmas song, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with you. We cannot bring about peace in our nation and peace throughout this world. We don't bring peace into our own hearts by following the way of the King of Peace and by bringing peace in our own hearts by following after him, we can bring peace to our homes, to our workplaces, to our schools, to our churches, to the city, to the state, to the federal level. But it has to be with us following the King of Peace. We have a choice, brothers and sisters. We can remain complicit in stealing very much biblical the way that I talk about it. Death. We can steal from the poor and homeless and those who are hungry. We can steal from children and their classrooms and the opportunities that we could give them by continuing to fight with others around us. Or we can choose the path of the King of Peace that we celebrate today. And his path is welcoming his enemies to his table for fellowship. Don't be my enemy. Come. Be my brother. Sit down with me at this table of fellowship. That is what our Lord invites us to today. It's why he came to bring peace on this earth. And if it's going to come to this earth, it has to begin with each and every one of us. May God help us to do that from this day forward, and especially in the beginning of the world. Faithful, pray for the catechumens of the Lord will have mercy on them. Lord.